0: And welcome to the podcast. Today, it is Wednesday, December 1st. How are you doing? Um, another guest today. Not much, Alex, this week. And that reminds me, i got to text Bethany. We haven't spoken since she unleashed Candace and her salted caramel coffee martinis, which were delicious. Yeah, since Alex hasn't been on a bunch this week, we haven't been able to uh, recap the Thanksgiving Eve party get-together at my place. It was just, uh, there were nearly as many dogs as people, but some of my closest friends. Alex, Bethany, uh, Josh, our engineer here who pops on the podcast every now and then. And uh, and Ashley, Ashley, who we don't see too much anywhere. We don't hear from him on the podcast because she is a big wig. She is now super Miss Corporate um, over at the hotel, but we still love her. Uh, Mary Bilyeu from The Blade will be by in just a couple of minutes. Uh, first, a few things to get to. I posted a picture um, of my da- all people I'm related to, even the dog, uh, my dad's dog. That's Luna. Um, and every time I talk to my dad, sorry, this is up on, on Facebook, and every time I talk to my dad, um, I ask if he goes to see Noelle, uh, my niece. And I've seen pictures. I've uh, Tracy and Paul have sent me pictures before of Noel being licked. Um, the dogs. There's three dogs at my brother's house. Mackie, he's six pounds. He's an interesting looking fellow. Coco, who is like a ghost. Like sometimes I forget that they have her. She's like my ditty. Very independent. Hangs by herself. Minds her own business. Uh, and they also have Manny. Manny looks like a little fireball. So my love of dogs that came from my mom was also implanted in my brother as as well. Um, those are all his dogs now. He we had dogs we had dogs all of our life. Uh, my dog Jasmine was there. So Noel gets licked a lot by uh, mostly Mackie, and I guess Luna, my dad's dog, likes to lick Noel as well, and. I asked him. I was like, "How does she feel about that?" And he's like, "She she doesn't seem to mind it. She's a little more reactive and giggles now. She's what four, five, five months old, born in July or so." Um, and I was thinking, it's a good thing she's okay with getting licked because oh, I'm not supposed to talk about family stuff on the podcast. This is fun stuff. This is not private business. But if Noel was to come out and had an issue with uh, with dogs and getting and getting kisses from them, basically, if you don't like dogs, you're not going to last for long in that house, or maybe even mine as well. Um, there is another parade I came across. It's in East Toledo during the the streets you would expect right around uh, White High School. But that's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, Battle for the Badges is back this year, and those. TFD and TPD hockey players, and it's 20 bucks to get in, and the money goes towards their charities, each of their charities. And then that gets you into the walleye game later on at night. So 20 bucks is a great deal for that. And those uh TFD and TP guys, TPD guys, and maybe girls, are uh, they're not weekend warriors. They are really good hockey players. Uh, I visited with some of them before, so that is a great event that's back. 20 bucks to spend at the Huntington Center. That's enjoyable. What else did I want to get to? Um, a girl named Tom. This is now probably the third time I know I've mentioned it for the on the air on the third time. A girl named Tom from Pettisville. Don't know where that is, but they're on the. Uh, it's it's a sibling trio on the Voice. They're coached by Kelly Clarkson. I don't watch the show, but I'm happy to pass it along. They have now advanced even further. They're in the top eight. Becca Grace, Joshua, and Caleb, a sibling trio whose last name I unfortunately cannot correctly pronounce, so I'll let, it, I'll let it alone. A girl named Tom from Pettisville into the top eight on The Voice. Two more local Vax to School winners, uh, Jenna Lutz or Lutz and Meadow Styles, both Toledoans, scored $10,000, which is what? A class at higher education? Hmm. Speaking of that, um, I saw Penta tweeted something. I believe they were working with some local factories. It's up on my show Facebook page. They were working with some local places to do some boxing and and add an extra body, extra hands. And I'm sure somebody out there was thinking, those poor kids working for free. Um. This I think, as many things are, but we forget about this because we like to speak broad, broad in broad terms generally, and we paint with a broad brush on way too much. Um, maybe they are getting paid by whoever they're doing some work for. We don't know, but I, I and again, maybe they are. Um, and I know there's people out there. They should not be working for free. They're Someone else could be doing that job and be getting paid. They should be getting paid. Oh, okay, let's, let's take it on, a, again, situation by situation basis. Maybe they are getting paid. Maybe, maybe not um, the exact amount as what a regular worker would be. But I do know they're getting invaluable experience on the job in a professional environment that is outside of Penta. And they're maybe even, they're probably even doing some networking as well. And I find those things to be very valuable. Um, I know for a long time, many businesses in the last 20 years maybe have taken advantage of interns and they got those interns doing work that they should have been paid for. Maybe those interns were okay with doing unpaid work because they were getting certain experience and networking opportunities and foot in the door. And I know it's been brought to light more recently that uh, there that helps exacerbate uh, inequality because some people can take those opportunities. Other people who have similar interests and talents uh, and desires cannot take those op- those unpaid opportunities because they need in their free time to be making money for their household, their families. I'm understanding of that. Um, but I am someone who will not overlook the value of even though I just said that, uh, I will not overlook the value of experience and play the long game in things which I get it not everybody can play. not everybody can play, but let's not paint with the broad brush. Uh, On that canvas either. It's situation by situation. Mm, One more thing. Speaking of money. And I thought this yesterday. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast before Paul. Who was such a great visit. uh, Was on. Um, I'm all about that mural. I love the mural. I love all the national attention it's getting. Um, I think it's beautiful. I love the sunflowers. I appreciate Gabe Golf the artist. I think an LA guy. For doing that here. It's something that will... Take Toledo beyond Paco's and the Glass City and Jamie Farr and the Mudhens. In um, in fifty years, maybe not even that long, the Glass City River Wall mural will be mentioned in the same breath and maybe with more breath uh, than those things about Toledo because it could put us on a global scale of recognition. Um. So they're, I guess. The, the Kickstarter was trying to raise a million bucks. I saw the number fifty thousand dollars being thrown around today, and there were some kind of short-sighted comments on the news post. And another thing about that in a moment, um, there were some short-sighted comments like, "Why did they? Why did they start doing this if they knew they didn't have the budget to finish it?" Well, first of all, there's been a lot of unknowns, maybe more unknowns than knowns over the last 20 months Uh, things that were maybe knowns that became out of the control of what was going on so I'm not going to slight or chastise or criticize anybody involved with the project for coming short on money to get this thing finished But I'm not going to give any money to it, not during the holiday season, Um, especially in the light of Giving Tuesday and, you know, some of the causes that are near and dear to me, and those are nonprofits that depend on charitable donations. Um, If the River Wall mural doesn't get finished by the end of this year, this month, which I know they're targeting, fine. Uh, I understand there are deadlines that I might not be privy to, that it's got to be done for but i can gather that those things will not be the end of the world and whether that thing is finished on december 31st or april 31st or even next december 31st um i'm not it's it's not a charity it's a great thing for the area but in these times of struggle where money is tighter than it's ever been things cost more Many things that we need to buy cost more than they have in quite some time. I don't think giving the river the river wall mural um, the money to complete in a timely fashion on their timeline in the next month or so is is a necessity. When there are so many other issues in the world, um, I lost a little bit of my soul today because I saw. I have two rules. Well, I actually have a lot of rules, but one of my one of my tenants, one of the rules, the pillars of my life is you lose a little bit of happiness within yourself and that you exude and you lose a little bit of your soul when you comment on Facebook posts by local news organizations or any news organization. Like that's where your soul goes to die. That's where you're sure to get into an argument. And I saw a girl who I was pretty sure I have opposing views with uh, political and ideological views I've, I've found that out over the last couple of years or so As many of us have I just un, unfollowed her I, So I wouldn't see her post Today I unfriended her The post from WTOL I guess there's some confusion and so, They felt the need to put up some type of fact checking post And maybe this was pushed down from their national owner Tegna um, Not everything comes from the local news people That you see on WTOL On their posts Or on their sites Um, There's some national initiatives But the post That wound up on Facebook That got lots of comments That even got a comment from me And I tried to be nice about it To that girl um, The post was about Dismissing any confusion Of people believing That the vaccinations That we've been jabbing in our arms Are the reason there are variants that they're giving life to the variants. Like the vaccinations are muddying the chemistry and allowing these new variants to run wild. Oh my God. It, it, it made my brain ache and I am apologizing for, for jumping into that thread. Uh, I'm not apologizing for having uh, a friend, uh, someone who I work with in some ways, the Jewish Federation, and just a delightful person on as a guest in the studio. My friend Mary you food editor, food empress from the Blade. That's good. All right. Well, we're recording. Okay. <laughs> so, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on on our fine establishment here?
1: It's nice and warm and cozy because it's cold out today.
0: Really? So I put my jacket on because I thought it was cold, and the, the HVAC system in this building is is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it breaks physics and science. Oh jeez. Cause sixty eight. One day is not the same 68 two days later. Okay. Like, it's super bizarre. And then when everybody came back, I was the only one in here. Uh, me and my engineer and my boss, Jerry, we are the only three here. And then everybody came back in October? October-ish. Okay. And there became thermostat fights. Oh,
1: God. Everybody got used to their own temperature in their own home. Or fighting with their family members over the temperature at home. Yes. And suddenly you come in here and you have to have new fights with different people.
0: Well, like I figured out how to game the thermostat, <laughs> and I could just feel it out. And for the most part, I, I dressed appropriately for work. It was more—I don't ever want to be hot because mm-hmm. um, that's just that's uncomfortable. But because sixty-eight was different. Monday to Tuesday, 68 was also different in this studio as it was in the K100 studio. Like 68 for me was like 88 for them.
1: Well, and you've got, you've got, the window. It would make a difference whether it's a cloudy day like today, whether the sun is coming in.
0: Nope. No. 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 No.
1: Humidity wasn't a factor. Not didn't. a
0: thing. Not okay. a thing. Like right. I said, it defies science. <laughs> the only good thing is, like, I can open that door up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh when we had like a, a late, a late summer, yeah, it was nice. I could open that up. Here's some birds. Here's some arguments in the parking lot every now and then. Makes for good radio ambiance. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have the most high-tech building or we'll anything just, we'll like
1: just that. We'll just do the, the, the color play-by-play here as they're fighting in the parking lot.
0: It's kind of why we're getting a gate, too. I mean, that you, that, that gate's coming in because I guess there was, like, some gunfire as somebody from K100 was coming in. Oh, God. Uh, and I would always be, cu- when I was coming in for the morning show, when I was getting in here 3.30, 4 o'clock, I would always, like, just keep an eye out because sometimes yeah. people will traipse through the back area from the shopping center over there. Yep. Um, Yep, there's little alleyways and, yeah. And sometimes there are some unsavory people over there just meandering down Arlington. Uh, Do you, you, have you been at work? Do you have to go to the building every day?
1: I go in on Monday mornings and then I go shopping and do food prep and whatnot because I do usually Wednesday photo shoots. And then I go in on Fridays because um, we have a lot of proofreading do because they're laying out the saturday the sunday and the monday papers and so i go in and i help with that
0: what's uh i've never been in that building it's kind of historic
1: it's very historic i want to say it's an it's an official landmark um so when you talk about you know heating and cooling issues you know i can sit at my desk and freeze and i'm normally cold anyway um but you can go around the corner into the newsroom as opposed to the features department and it's even worse. But then you go into somebody's office and you're like peeling off the layers because it's so
0: Do they have <laughs> so like the, the old uh, like, like boiler heaters?
1: That I can't tell you. That I don't know. Okay. I just know that I dress to always be cold at work because it's either cold, they don't have the heat on, cold, the heat's not working properly, cold, the air conditioner's on. For whatever reason, I wherever I am, I'm always cold.
0: Are you comfortable now? Yes, I am. Do you need any water? Um, it's too late now I mean I'd have to yeah. start the podcast but I just figured that's I'd okay. throw the offer out there um, I appreciate that we, that was thoughtful we didn't get to uh, do, do you have a list
1: I do I oh, made one up
0: alright well just sit tight okay. uh, do uh, do you treat we didn't get to talk before Thanksgiving that's fine that was my, my bad planning um, I always appreciate the time you can make for me I, I enjoy our conversations you know
1: anytime I can I will
0: um, is Thanksgiving like your Super Bowl no nope. <laughs> <laughs> the Super Bowl is your Super Bowl well, I thought of asking you that question because I mean, for I would, for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, Thanksgiving is such a big deal around food. Now, there's other things I guess people do: big Christmas dinners, the Super Bowl. Yes. But then I'm like, well, Mary can make anything. Like you're the food yeah. empress. Like everything oh, for you could be a Super Bowl. I forgot my tiara. No, I no, forgot no. my tiara. So, what is Thanksgiving for you?
1: um personally or professionally cuz they're two different
0: Well for work for pres- professionally it has to be the Super Bowl, right? Professionally
1: it, the from about September to January is the Super Bowl. Okay. There's there's Halloween. There's Thanksgiving. There's Hanukkah. There's Christmas. Um there's New Year's Eve. Um there's Which championship the... games that I'm hoping my Wolverines will We can be talk in. about that. <laughs> it's On my list. <laughs> Wait, but the what? Super Bowl is coming up. I want to say February because they keep extending it because they keep extending the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, this 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 whole season is my Super Bowl.
0: All right. Well, let me put you on the spot. Which is the biggest one for you? Like, if you have to nail one of those, it's got to be th- it's got to be Thanksgiving, right? I
1: would put Thanksgiving and Christmas in a tie. They don't okay. call this Holy Toledo for nothing. So.
0: What, what what what's so, so Christmas
1: me- is a big thing.
0: <laughs> what's so meal worthy about so I don't know much about Christmas other than, is a meal is a meal just over is an important big meal just overshadowed by Santa, presents and family?
1: Depends on your family. Um for some people it's very religious, going to church and then having like the equivalent of Sunday dinner, your holiday meal with your family is a big deal. For some it's more secular, more social. Um, so, the Santa and the cookies and maybe getting together with people for Christmas brunch. But there's always food. There's, there's people who go to, to services in the evening on Christmas Eve, and they might have a dinner either before or after with their family before going to church. There's midnight mass in the Catholic Church. And this year's story um, is about the big meal that's served in the Philippines after midnight mass. It's traditional to fast through the day leading up to Christmas Eve services. And then you have this, and feast is is a woefully inadequate word for this meal, um, in in essentially in the middle of the night after you after you come home, um, and it's reserved just for close family, so it's a really really special meal. Um, then there are others, you know, who are doing, you know, opening presents with their kids at home in the morning, and you want to have like cinnamon rolls or something. Then they're going to to brunch at one grandparent's house, and then there's the big, you know, ham and 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 everything with the pies and whatnot in the evening. Like there's there's just food everywhere, you know. Mm. So it's not quite like Thanksgiving where it's the one day and you without the have meal, your turkey and trimmings. Yeah,
0: without the meal, there is no Thanksgiving.
1: I wouldn't say that.
0: Take the lions away too, and, <laughs> and then there's 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 no Thanksgiving at all.
1: There's parades. And there's, uh, you're supposed to be in church having your food blessed before you go eat it and share it with your loved ones, which with, is not my experience, but you know.
0: There's church with Thanksgiving?
1: A lot of people go to church. Mm, I'm never. not sure if in the Catholic Church it's a holy day of obligation, but church is a, is a big deal because it, it's it's Thanksgiving is really technically not supposed to be about the food. It's not about the, the turkey and the stuffing and whether it's stuffing inside or dressing on the side. You know, it's about giving thanks, about appreciating the blessings, you know, your health, you know, having a home still, having a job still, whatever. And it's very traditional in a lot of churches that you bring some part of what you're going to be eating and you have the priest or the minister say a blessing over it and then you bring that home and then you serve that to your loved ones.
0: It it might be overlooked, but it's definitely a strength of our American culture to forget what things are actually about.
1: You know it. (laughs) You know it. I mean as we're watching, you know, you know the the thousands commercials for the Lifetime versus the Hallmark sappy movies and they're talking about, you know, you better do your shopping early because of supply side, you know, supply chain issues and it's just is that is that really what it's about? For some for some. For some it is, you know, and if if your way of celebrating Christmas is you get together with people and you give them something really special and you spend time with them and you trim the tree and you exchange cookies and, and that's how you show your love, you know, that's great. I'm not judging that. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the cookies and the tree trimming and the cocoa and and, you know, trying to be generous with my loved ones. At the same time, that's kind of not what it is at heart. But it really depends on your faith and and your your level of observance, and you know people are allowed to have their own relationship with God, and that doesn't necessarily have to involve Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so during your uh, hunting season, I'll call it from like September to February, <laughs> what's your favorite of all those big ones to write about or to research and to discover? What's what's the one you look forward to most?
1: Um. I don't. I didn't get it this year. My favorites have been, and you're gonna say, of course, I should have known this. Um, when Thanksgiving and Hanukkah overlap, so we have like Thanksgivinga, right? And when Christmas and the first day of Hanukkah overlapped, it was Chismica, and that was so much fun because that takes the traditions that I was raised with, having been raised Catholic, and the traditions I've adopted. Being the longest, slowest conversion process in history. Everything is supply
0: (laughs) supply chain issues. Very slow. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, And it's just fun because it's different, you know. I don't, I don't mind doing the Thanksgiving, but like there's this expectation that it's going to be like Gourmet magazine with the great big burnished turkey, and you know the pies, and and so I always try to find something. Different because I'm so sick of the stupid turkey with, right. with the trimmings and how many different ways can you make pumpkin pie? You know, and you know too that people have their traditions that they're they're not veering from grandma stuffing recipes. So why am I bothering to give them one? Right? Why am I giving you one that you're not even gonna make?
0: But your your editors probably tell you there's someone reading the paper or whatever, the reading you for the first time, and they want to know what the food empress thinks about turkey.
1: My very first. Holiday season here. So I moved here in February of 2014. And so it was the Christmas season of 2014. And I always like to try to do something different. So if I say the word eggnog to you, what holiday do you think of? Christmas. Of course. You don't think Fourth of July. You don't think Memorial Day. You don't think Valentine's Day. You think Christmas. So I thought, how much fun would it be to do different things with eggnog? And so I forget if I had like a pudding or cupcakes or whatever. Literally, the photographer had taken the pictures and I had like the little mini Christmas tree and I had ornaments and all. it was so pretty took all the pictures, he's literally walking out the door and my phone rings and one of our senior editors calls me and says, you need to do a Christmas story I'm like, I just did a Christmas story no, no, they wanted like the ham and mm-hmm. the fruitcake and so I had to do a whole nother story because eggnog <laughs> and and using eggnog for things that you could serve, like I like I said, I forget it was you know like maybe it was muffins that you could serve at your Christmas brunch or like an eggnog icing on the cinnamon rolls that you could you could serve your family while you're opening presents, something that you could have served a pound cake after the ham. What wasn't wasn't Christmassy enough. So <laughs> so yes, I have been told we want a, the turkey. So um, let's just say we have new leadership now. So I did uh, two different stories. One was how to use up the leftovers. And I did that one first because people would be shopping for all the stuff they needed. And if they wanted to have, say, the cheese curds to make poutine, I wanted you to be able to be sure you bought the cheese curds so you could make poutine. Uh, and then the week after that, right before Thanksgiving, because um, if you wait until the Sunday before Thanksgiving, the turkeys are defrosting, you know, the Honey Baked Ham order has been placed, and everybody's already baked and they're starting to set the tables. So I always start two Sundays before, Um, but you can't ignore it four days before, so it's always two stories. And um, and so the second one was I talked with uh, Russell Rising, whom I think you yes yeah, you have talked with him. A professor, that's right. right? Yes, retired professor from UT, most interesting man on earth. I think
0: I read this you you did this this year, right? Yes, I think because Russell so just like two weeks ago. Uh, it was some semantic uh, offerings, right?
1: Exactly. So he has this tradition where he doesn't expect all of his family members, his kids and and grandkids and whatnot, to show up on the appointed day. You know, they're married, some of them live away, and, and that's really hard. You've got lots of commitments to balance. Uh, but they get together on a Sunday, a different Sunday, and this is their thing. And they put the turkey and trimmings through a filter. And so this year they made German schnitzel and, and German potato salad. And and I, I still have to get back with them because i got to find out, after they had the big debate, um, what they're picking for next year. I know some of the options were like Greek or, or Indian. Um and and it's just it's fun it's it's tradition with a twist and I really okay. like that. Did you but mom? since it was turkey schnitzel, it's something that could be easily downsized. So let's say as the omicron or omicron or however in the many the myriad ways of pronouncing that word, as that variant is starting to kick up again, or even before you heard about that, if you were worried about getting together with people. Um, you know, you could make turkey schnitzel for two and just downsize that that meal. So I'm hopeful that it was still not only a good story because he's just such a great guy and it's such an interesting take, but that it was useful to people.
0: So your answer to my question was <laughs> you like Christmas. You like writing about food stuff during that the heavy season when Christmas and Hanukkah run into each other.
1: That's so much fun. So we had that a few years ago. So um, I would have to look up the the story. But like you take, say, the potato latkes for Hanukkah and, and then maybe put uh, flecks of red and green and yellow peppers in them that look sort of like stained glass or like Christmas ornaments. Again, I'm completely forgetting what I did. But but just trying to mash up those those just like maybe make gingerbread rogala, you know? So you've got a little bit of, of everything and you're just you're just celebrating. I mean, that's that's the fun thing. I mean, I'll celebrate almost anything and eat the food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, the Super Bowl is a whole nother issue.
0: Oh, well. Let's not do that yet. That's okay. like that give be next month. Yeah, next month. Okay. Um I did want to run by you uh yes. my grandfather made really good potato latkes. Okay. He did them, I think, for Passover, but also for Hanukkah, and it was the kind oh. of thing where I would eat like seventy of them. Good for you. And yeah, because you and,
1: know you got you you got to celebrate this once a year. You're allowed to eat this. Well, artery clogging food.
0: I don't know if his were that artery clogging. They might have been. Now, my grandmother, his mm-hmm. wife, made a grilled cheese that it just got to the point where, with me being a kid, I'm like, Grammy, I can't do all that grease, and she would have to take a napkin to it, oh. and literally was like a grease colored napkin oh. that was at one point like napkin texture, but now it was just pure liquefied.
1: Did uh, she cook them in oil or butter? Both. Really? <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right.
0: <laughs> um, but I don't recall my grandfather's potato lock as being that way. So I was talking to my dad today and yeah. with you coming in and with it being Hanukkah, I asked my dad if he had my grandfather's recipe for, for potato lock is the, the ones that he made. Yeah and he was baffled by that he doesn't know if it's still in the house cuz my dad's really? in, in, in his parent's house now
1: oh okay. uh, he said
0: he'd look for it but he also thinks that most of my grandfather my grandfather did a, lo- a lot of cooking mm-hmm. um he thinks i like to hear that he he thinks my grandfather did it basically out of memory so my dad who was not the nostalgic type he's like why can't you just look it up on the internet I was like David Weisberg's potato lockers are not gonna be on the internet he's like but there's not- gonna be something similar so I'll just say eh. if you have a recipe that you want to if you can give me a good potato locker recipe and a kugel recipe
1: I love kugel <gasps>
0: I don't like the super cream cheesy kind
1: okay you like more savory or you just don't want so much more goobiness? noodley
0: yeah so much gooeyness I okay. like it was like more more crispy we're um, well baked.
1: I made kugel latkes one year for Hanukkah.
0: Send me that. So I took
1: the the kugel the kugel noodle cheese cream mixture for those who have no idea what we're talking about, and scooped it out and fried it like like latkes like like pancakes.
0: Send me whatever you got. Okay, I, I it's don't... funny
1: that you you mentioned this and particularly the recipe for this because you know Marshall Goldstein. You probably do, but I'm going to ask. No,
0: I don't know him. <laughs> No, I don't know him. It sounds like I would know Marshall Goldstein. You're
1: tapped into the Jewish community. Here you should know Marshall. Marshall is an integral part of this community. Never heard of him. Okay. Well, he's a chef, and he just posted a few days ago his recipe for latkes. On Facebook? Yes, indeed. And he said, a recipe shared is a recipe that lives forever. I commented, of course, yes, it kills me when people guard their secret recipes like national security treasures. And we had a whole conversation, and he says, well, you should write a column about this. I said, Marshall, I already took a picture of your post, so I would remember to to write a write a column about this. So I talked to him yesterday, and we had this beautiful conversation about about memory and and love and how you show it through food and how people think someday I'm going to pass on that recipe, someday I'm going to do it, and it's going to die with you. Or you're saying, no, 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 this is my secret. Somehow this is what gives you value in the family, and so you don't want it to be anybody else's, and it's going to die with you. So Marshall was a firm believer in sharing all his recipes, and so right smack on Facebook, he posted his latka recipe, and his son made his latkas a couple of days ago, And he was so proud because his latke recipe will live on. His son knows how to make it, and his son made a beautiful pan. And that's my column for Sunday the 12th, is all about Marshall and the latkes.
0: So can I have that, and then any general potato latke recipe, and then also uh, a cocoa recipe? Okay. Um, I found Marshall, but because I'm not his friend, uh, the most recent post I can see, which also looks delicious, and you're Mm -hmm. also... Uh, You're tagged in this. It's interesting how Facebook knows that, that I'm looking you up and you're sitting here. (laughs) Hmm. Hi, Mark. Uh, His taco, matzo tacos and matzo nachos. Oh, I haven't seen that. You're tagged in it. Look.
1: When did he do that? From March 30th. No wonder I don't remember. Okay. Um,
0: Those look good.
1: So here's his latke recipe. For all of you here who can't see this, I'm going to show you. So he posted the whole page with his latke recipe.
0: Three medium potatoes, don't peel. Well, he really does this from scratch,
1: old school. And this oh. recipe he developed when his son, who's now almost 23, was born. So this is this is family legacy. Okay. And he doesn't want it to die, so he is sharing it with anybody. You want to make them? There's his recipe. Go, friend Marshall. He's a great, great I guy. I did. I okay. did. Meanwhile.
0: My grandfather's potato latkes. Yes. The recipe is dead, uh with him apparently.
1: So do you know some of the nuances though? Like did he grate the onions and knuckles while he was at it? Did he chop the onions?
0: Not a thing. I was I was too little, too young. And yeah. They were good. They were not very elaborate. I don't The classics. Yeah, it was very basic. Very very crude, but the tasty. Um
1: You know, I I will often try to just to have some fun with it. I try to make different variations. I've done Reuben latkes. I've done Kugel lot, or curry latkes. All different kinds R- of things.
0: Reuben like corn beef. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: My house isn't kosher. I can throw corn well, beef. I know. I know. I know.
0: I know. I'll have to show you. Uh, <laughs> and
1: and drizzle them with a little bit of the Thousand Island dressing. Um,
0: that sounds delicious. Because I'm on one of my corned beef craving kicks lately. Oh really? I keep bugging uh, Mama Mary's, uh, the guy that I know over there, yeah. Vince. I'm like, can you just, like, can you get? I'll go buy you a couple, like five pounds of corned beef. Mm-hmm. Leave it there. And when I order, just drop some on Because I, uh, I think it was uh, it was Pizza Cat that did a, a, a Reuben pizza.
1: They must have. If they haven't, I, it would shock me.
0: Yeah, And I don't know if it was exotic with like Thousand Island dressing, but it's definitely like it was corned beef centric. Okay. And I want other pizza places to do something like that. Like yeah. I said, I'll go buy Vince and Mama Mary's my own corned <laughs> beef and <laughs> just like right. put it on when I call and add it to the, the meat lover's pizza.
1: Oh, there you go. You'll um, die, but you'll die happy. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty good because the rest of the week, like I got my apple here. I had some grapes and and uh, almonds earlier. And your peanut butter. And my peanut butter. Never which forget I sto- the peanut butter. I stopped buying the one that you suggested. You did. Yeah, I just didn't like the way that it, th- maybe I just got some bad jars. I didn't like texture a whole bunch as it settled and whatnot. And oh, having this—that's too bad. I hate toilet. the
1: stirring. I, I I go for the gif just because you know it's just it it hits that that childhood spot in my brain
0: uh the
1: excuse me as my phone as i get yet another yet another spam call from michigan that i don't know who it is
0: i get them too all every 248 number that calls me is probably someone checking to see if my warranty is okay or and I whatever could
1: have sworn i turned the volume down precisely so that you not disturb anybody so not, i apologize it's,
0: podcast land is completely different
1: okay so anyway, back so back to your your did you call him Zadie or grandpa
0: Oh, I didn't use the Yiddish term. Okay, it was grandpa. So back to your grandpa's latkes. It was grandpa, and then both were Grammys. Um, I've told you before about the other Grammys French toast because she did it on challah, and I would eat yes. like, yes. like seven Brilliant slices. Woman. That that's what made me a, a an overweight little kid, uh, not little, but uh, my and that grandmother also made Passover rolls. I had a very hard time uh, keeping whatever I needed to for for Passover because I like bread a lot. And- yes. Um, but my grandmom, that Grammy Bale made some Passover rolls with some kind of matzo meal magic, and okay. she would literally make for my mom like a whole uh, paper supermarket bag full oh. of them. Oh, wow. And when I was thinking of my grandfather's recipe, I was wondering yeah. if I should reach out to my uncle, my grandmom's yes. son, my mom's brother, for that recipe. Yes.
1: He, Do it now. He and Do she. Do it when we're done here. I will. Because you're going to forget. I won't forget. I won't forget. Something Something's going to happen. You're going to put it off. And the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself without that recipe. Don't put okay. it off.
0: I, I just know that I'll never be able to mimic it like my Grammy did. Because my after she died, my mom tried. And it just wasn't the same. Now, my mom wasn't the best in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just didn't have that same extra, that, that sweet bite. that. And
1: well, you know, your grandma knew... What she was looking for. She was, like she may not even have written anything down because she just knew what texture she was looking for, how much of salt or how much of sugar or how much or whatever she was looking for. And that's something that really needs to be taught. But, you know, I have, I have this, this debate sometimes about if you don't have somebody's recipe, is it better to have it and try it and not kind of make it Right. Yes. Or is it better to, to not own. have it and remember it? Because, like, my father loved his mother's bread pudding. And she always made it by using sliced bread and putting it in a loaf pan. And I've tried more times than I can count to try to make it. And the custard always kind of sits in the bottom... And, and it's never what my father remembered. And I've made a thousand other kinds of bread pudding because I love bread pudding. And my father would order bread pudding if he ever saw it on anybody's menu. Like his, his mother would never have put any kind of whiskey sauce or any kind of thing like that. But he ordered it anyway. And, and it was never right. But he was never disappointed. Like I think he was still, because he was ordering bread pudding... And having that connection with his mom, I think it was still special to him, even though it was never going to be. He was never going to eat her bread pudding again.
0: I would take the recipes rather than trying to figure it out on my own. You, you were mentioning things that I'm sure my my Grammy definitely put in those Passover rolls. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking they might have been like uh, like ashes from her drags of cigarettes as well, because <laughs>
1: that may be the secret ingredient that you're missing. You never know. <laughs> wasn't,
0: it wasn't like this. It wasn't crack like they used to say in there, but there might have been some cigarette ashes because she. She smoked a long time, so.
1: You got to get those recipes and then, you know, talk to some of the the, the elders in the community here. Um, or maybe Gina, who's, just, Gina Black, who's such an amazing baker. And they may be able to kind of help give you suggestions or tips or Forget something. Forget
0: that. I could, I could sell, if, if I can uh, mimic these rolls. if I could yes. replicate them, I would sell them. You could. They were that good.
1: We need, you know, every year at Passover, we need, uh, you know, the, the Pesach pop-up. You know, like they have the Halloween costume and Chashka pop ups. We need a Pesach pop up so that nobody has to go schlepping up to Detroit.
0: Well, let's do like a, we'll get Hallie. We'll talk about this, at, I guess, in our our outdoor programming meeting <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I was so eager. Are you going
1: to gonna go distribute goodies on the 12th? Yeah, yeah the I'll Hanukkah? be there. Yeah,
0: right. I'll, I'll be yeah, there. We'll have fun. I, and I did, it didn't even dawn on me. I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be cold that day.
1: So wear a hat. Gloves.
0: I I just I hate the cold weather, so I'm hoping for too. a mild day. But um, we can we can kick it's around December some ideas. It's
1: December
0: in Ohio; it could be anything. I know. Uh, anything. <laughs> my luck, it'll be three inches of snow, not enough to call off the event, and You're just so cold enough so to make me miserable. You're so anyway, <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I just I was complaining to my dad about cold weather today. Um, and he was trying to like, he's like, bundle up, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, no, no. I, I told him, I was like, I would rather be in 98 degree heat every day. Yes. 38.
1: Yes. I'm so with you. I would take the heat any day over the cold.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but back to our, uh, to Passover and yes. the programming meeting that we'll be having outdoors. Maybe we can plan like a boozy Passover dinner, which is basically what Jesus did anyway. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Like an, like an
0: adult Passover.
1: There we go. Mm. I'm liking that.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you. Yes. Uh, if we didn't have anything to talk about. So <laughs> I. Uh, how did you? How did you get into writing about food?
1: Um. Well. <laughs> um. I started out doing cooking contests. Um. It was a way you know to sort of have fun. Like you got to feed your family anyway, and if somebody wants to give you some money. Um, it's sort of a long, long story. I don't know how long you want this story to be. Um, my my ex husband uh, went through treatment, and we started going to Al clubs and meetings and and such. And I started making non alcoholic drinks uh, because people don't want to just be standing there with a Pepsi mm. or water. you know water. Um, and while some people can't have something like a mocktail because it's just it's too similar and it kind of triggers things, there are other people who really want something that's fun so they feel like they're participating. Um, so I started making things like that. And then I saw that the AAA Michigan was having a non-alcoholic drink contest. And completely out of the blue, I'm like, well, hey, I got some of those. And I sent in a recipe for a white chocolate cocoa. And they picked me as a finalist. And so they had a a little cook-off, and everybody made their drinks, and I knew nothing. I had done nothing like this before, and I knew nothing about presentation or anything. Um, I I have these um, very pretty little ruby glass uh, punch cups, so I brought those. This is the extent of my decoration. Um, And I didn't win, but they gave me $50. Nice. Just for being a finalist. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Um, And I met a couple of people there. Who, who were involved in contesting, and they told me about this site called Cooking Contest Central. And for like $25 a year, and it's still, and this is like 25 years later, only $25 a year, you get access to a community. Like so many of my friends are people I've met through cooking contests, even people I've not met in the real world. Because you, you people who like to cook and like to feed you, they're nurturers, they're nice people as a general rule. And, and you get access to, to contests that are being held by, you know, Pillsbury Bake Off was always the big one. Um, there are local contests, regional contests, national contests, all these different things. Um, so I, I signed up for that. And one of the very first things I won was they had, had some sort of essay contest. And I don't even remember the details. I want to say it was for Target. Um, I won a $50 uh, gift card to go shopping there. I'm like, well, I've already, that's twice what I already paid for my year's subscription. And so I started entering more things and entering more things. And then in 2009, the Ann Arbor News uh, closed down and it turned into Ann annarbor.com, which everybody in media knows was... Um, was rather a shock everybody here in Toledo who's waiting for the blade to go only online with horror and no I know nothing about anything there has been no word about cutting the last two print days please god no one, before that rains down on me
0: <laughs> no one old enough oh. no one no one listening to this pod, podcast <laughs> is old enough to be concerned about missing their newspaper
1: i just i had to get it out there yeah. because cuz people will come up to me and ask me about that like completely irrelevant to anything else going on they will ask me but they they really fear it there's a demographic here that really fears Oh, it. i get it um so com was the first one and um now they've gone back to using the ann arbor news but as they hired back a few people they also wanted to develop what they called hyper content so they sort of put out <coughs> this call for people who wanted to contribute i'm like well i got an english degree that i'm not using Let's give it a whirl. You know, the, the psych furs have a song, Love My Way, where it says, you can never win or lose if you don't run the race. Just send it in. And they wanted to talk to me. They said, sure, we can't pay you anything right now because mm. we're just starting. Went, what do I care? I'm <laughs> just so, so thrilled to see my name in the paper. Um, and But there, are, of course, if you work for anybody, no matter how much you may like the entity you're working for, there are always restrictions. Mm-hmm. So then I started my own blog so I could do more things – that I was interested in, um, and then my friend who was at the time the publisher of the Washtenaw Jewish News, Ann Arbor's Jewish paper, uh, said, you write for everybody else, why don't you write for me? I'm like, well, Susie, you never asked me. So she says, all right, I'm asking. So I started writing, and and little by little that kind of kind of built, and I was still doing contests and still blogging and still writing. And then um, I guess I'm sort of segging into the story of how I got here. Um, because I have no culinary background. I have no journalism background. I have an English degree.
0: <laughs> what? So I, so I was kind of expecting the origin story, but this one's much better of you being, like, knee-high to your mom and watching her cook and go, Mom, I want to be just like you when I grow up. But My
1: mother taught me the basics, um, but she didn't really enjoy cooking. Um, your passion
0: was from getting those gift cards. <laughs> what What did you want to do with your English degree? Like, teach?
1: Oh God, no! I, oh, I, I do not. I don't have the patience to be a teacher. Except at the same time, then I think in terms of the things I, I write. You know, I learn about history through food, or I learn about a different culture or a different religion through food, and I like to think that I'm teaching people through through my writing. But to like stand, and and teach and instruct and deal with the, the problem child who's seeking attention and trying to keep the the one who's bored. Um, you know, from from dropping off because they should be in another class or another grade, higher up, you know. All the different issues The teachers, God loves them teachers, there is a special place in heaven for teachers. Um, the grading papers, the planning, all of that, I, I, I can't do that. I've taught a couple of classes, like in the, um, the Lifelong Learning Program at Lourdes, which is a lot of fun. But you've got a, a demographic there that is specifically signing up and paying to attend a class and right. your class. And so... <laughs> Right, and there, There's something to be said for a captive audience.
0: It's, it's hyper, and you get to be hyper-focused because these people came to you, and it's specific to what you love and blah, blah. And Precisely. None of the extraneous stuff. Right. So, wait, so re- re- rewind back. Yeah. Answer the question. What did you want to do with that English degree?
1: Um, Well, I started pre-med, and I hated that, so I got the English degree, and I kind of wasn't sure what I was going to do with that. I focused more on language than on literature. I really enjoyed the... Um, the linguistics classes I took. I took um, everything from from different English dialects that are that are currently in the world and also the history of English from Old English through through now. Um, I could have easily seen myself. Uh, U of M I went to, to the University of Michigan, go blue um, we'll get to that. I had, I had to get that in um, And they were working on a middle English dictionary. At the time, and like I could have so happily buried myself in that for the rest of my life. You
0: know, English like Middle Ages.
1: Yeah, like 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 Chaucer.
0: So you you must be the one person that gets more supersonic nuclear than I get when you see somebody say or you hear them say, "I seem." Oh God,
1: <laughs> I am. I I'm I'm so the I'm judging your grammar, person. <laughs> I'm too nice to say, it, but know that I am. I'm judging your spelling, I'm judging your punctuation, I'm judging your grammar, I'm judging your vocabulary, you name it. I can't help myself. Which makes me a great proofreader, which is why I have to go in on Fridays and proof a dozen pages.
0: Keeps you keeps you employed. There you go. What did you I'll, I also
1: have a whole folder on my phone of all the different things I see on television or or as I'm reading, you know, like in the doctor's office or anywhere I go, if I see typos and misspellings and things, I have a little folder on Do my you,
0: phone. <laughs> And when you die, it'll be released to the world? Yeah. I yes. like that. Um, what I try
1: d- not to humiliate or embarrass people. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So, like, if I see something sometimes, there was, and, and I won't get into the specifics, but I saw something one time, a misspelling on a site that is all about education and should have known better, Right. I'm not going to call them out. I'm not going to be the obnoxious jerk who calls them out publicly, say, on Facebook or on Twitter and shares it with the world. I message them, please
0: fix this. <laughs> have you seen on, th- on 13's website now, they have a little thing at the bottom, a little subtext that says, if you see a, uh, a an error or a typo, please let us know.
1: I haven't seen that, but they're a large part of
0: my folder. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, I mean...
1: And I know that they're in a rush. You know, I know that they, they are really in a rush as headlines come through, as breaking news, all of this. So, again, I try not to judge, but I, I can't help that I'm judging.
0: We can, Let me do something real fast, and we'll sure. come back to that. I have to do a quick traffic report. But we're coming back to this. Earlier, disabled vehicle on... that disa- That disabled vehicle, 75 Northbound, is now clear we've got no incidents at this time. That's your Cumulus Toledo right now traffic. All right. Um,
1: you know, when I'm home, I always, and we do this, I'm always amazed at how you're multitasking. But now that I'm watching you with the screen and the microphone and the buttons and the, I'm just astounded. <laughs>
0: it ain't that hard. It's not rocket science. I'm smart, but this is very easy.
1: <laughs> Don't say that. I, I could, it looks so impressive.
0: I could teach, uh, I mean, I, I'm not the Wizards of Oz here. I could teach the dogs to <laughs> do this. Um, so I, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you see me misspelling stuff, yes. it's because my brain is working faster than everything else, going back to the I'm very smart thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's usually just carelessness and, mm-hmm. and haste because I'm an extremely good speller. I always took pride in that when I was a kid. When you're talking about like the speed with which they have to get things up online at news mm-hmm. sites, right. um, I have some thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, What are they? One, I used to be like, what about or yeah, but guy on Twitter or whatever. But then I've I've tried to move away from all of that stuff. I lost a little bit of my soul commenting on a TOL post today. But I just, uh, that's the bastion of losing your soul. That's the bastion of lost souls. But something just, it was somebody that, one of my Facebook friends said something. But whatever. With the news sites, like, yeah, you're the bastion, like you're the zenith of journalism. But the world's changed over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And while they should be held to a higher standard, I also realized that many of the people who work at these organizations, who are my friends, yes. who are posting these things, have grown up in the era of autocorrect.
1: Of course. And and texting and, yes. you know, and LOL and BRB and, and you know, R-U as yes. two letters. So, yes, it, it's... Um, the, the English major in me wants to talk about how our language is devolving, but yeah. I do understand intellectually that it is evolving.
0: I, you know, <laughs> I heard something within the last couple of years because I would hate slang, and it just bothered me because I always was someone, as, as a young adult, I always wanted to expand my vocabulary, and I would get the dictionary.com word of the day, and I'm like, I'm never going to oh, use kids. this. But in <laughs> I, I'm not a slow reader, but I'm a slow reader in the sense that I go, like, I started a new book today. I will constantly be looking up words just to make sure like I know that definition and I want to make sure I use it correctly. So I take a lot of...
1: You're a conscientious reader. Yes. As opposed to a slow reader. Correct. What are you reading? Yeah, What's like, the new book?
0: Uh, do you know who Walter Isaacson is? Yeah. Uh, he apparently has written a book uh, about a, uh, a woman scientist who is uh, going to take us from understanding and like, we learn in school how DNA is so important. Right. Well, she's going to take us into RNA and gene editing. And I've read those kind of things before, like the futuristic things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is different because this is more scientific, less philosophical, I think. Okay. Um, I forget her name. Jennifer Doudna? But I okay. like Walter Isaacson. Yeah. Like his Da Vinci book is a read. I go back to all the time. For those who might not care about that, he wrote the Steve Jobs, the, the seminal Steve Jobs book, okay. which is probably more yeah. in pop culture. So I like using big words. I like yes. words that are different. Um, and I heard a couple of years ago somebody said language is constantly evolving. But you <laughs> you put it really well. Um, our evolution has been. Devolving mostly because of the slang we've always taken from what I'll say is is like hip hop, mm-hmm. urban. Like we have appropriate, but is that
1: really a a de evolution? I mean, it, see, that's the thing is like we purists, you know who who. Who are so finicky about grammar and like I will proofread a text, and if I see, God forbid, that I missed something, I'm horrified, you know, <laughs> that I've made a mistake or that my thumb has hit the wrong, the wrong key and I didn't notice it. Um, so there's a part of you that wants to say that it's devolving, that we don't speak in proper sentences anymore, mm-hmm. or that we can't spell. But this is this is this is a continual process. It's always evolving, and maybe. You know, like back when I was back in my day, um, there was a lot of talk about Esperanto. You know, the communal language that had little bits of all the the popular languages, and it would be very easy to learn, and it's easy to spell because it's spelled the way it sounds, and all of this that would make it, you know, streamlined. So, so perhaps RU as two letters instead of two words um, is more concise, is clearer. Um, you know, if you look at somebody who's trying to learn language and there's always those memes, you know, about the, the bow and the cough and the through and all these these O-U-G-H mm-hmm. words that are all pronounced differently or, you know, if you there. remember, it, do you remember the I Love Lucy episode when Lucy was pregnant? A little, little <laughs> too
0: old for me. Sorry.
1: <laughs> it's in reruns. But, you know, Lucy was married to Ricky and Ricky's first language, of course, was Spanish because he was Cuban. And and she ultimately signs up to to get a proper English tutor because she doesn't want all this 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 vernacular for her precious child. She wants him to learn proper English. And she's trying to make the point to Ricky and has him read this little storybook that has, you know, the bow and the through and, and all these things and all these different... And, you know, you just think it's so hard. Well, if we still are looking at English as a worldwide language, as one that's viable, even though it's being overshadowed more and more by other languages... Why not make it easier for people? Why are we giving them this, this, this commerce, this this language know. commerce that's so difficult? I don't know. It's so not, it, is it it's is not, it devolving or is it <laughs> just changing? And old crotchety people just can't get with the program.
0: <laughs> I, I think I think it's all those things. Like I, I think it, it, there's an evolution, but I think it's also devolving, and I'll make my mm-hmm. argument for that okay. in a second. But when I hear like the one that pops in head is like, you've seen the word F I N N A. Yeah. Finna? Yeah. Like, I'm finally going to do that. Right. Um, and I think, like, it, it's something that I wish... Look, the black community has a lot of issues with how they've been treated forever here. Yes, so this is, like, low down on the totem pole, but I am totally here to stand up when they have achieved so much more equality to go, white people have been stealing your words forever and not giving you credit for it. Like, I think most of the... Like, like, so much slang. I think mm-hmm. I seen has evolved from hip-hop lyrics. Mm-hmm. And... That's fine, but that's going to be one of the ones that I'll always take issue with. But some other slang, I try to remind myself: there's probably like I say "cool" a lot or yeah. "dude." Right? Um, dude. A
1: lot of our a lot of our slang has 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 come from the the black community, from the LGBTQ community, um, and we it just gets assimilated without credit. But a lot of times,
0: yes. But like "cool," mm-hmm. like I use that a lot. Um, there's probably a time 30 or 40 years ago where someone is feeling about cool being used that way that I feel about I seen. Yeah. So I get it. Um, I try to remind myself of that. But there are some benchmarks where I will shoot you into the sun. <laughs> I seen is one of them. And to my point of like what you said of like are all these things happening. Crotchetiness yeah. evolving. Um it's an amalgam of all those because I'll go, there are times, again, I am a, I'm a good speller and mm-hmm. I know definitions. There are times I mindlessly catch myself or I have mindlessly used the incorrect there, which is one of my nuclear buttons. Yes. And I just hate myself for it. But because they are so misused so pervasively in where we are all, mm-hmm. like on social media mostly, that people have literally changed the definitions of those things, and that's not slang. That's just as auto, we've come. A, we so many people have come of age in an autocorrect age. They haven't needed to know definitions and spellings as much, and with that, the lax ability to correctly spell and use grammar has almost like given us one there, and they're almost interchangeable now because so many people have come to misuse them.
1: True, but at the same time, words. Can adapt and and adopt new meanings. So, like "sick" could mean you're lying in bed with a flu, eating chicken soup, or it could mean "dope." Exactly. Nope. But- <laughs> and "dope" is another one. But you know, I did a story last year about about um, how our language, the the words and and terms and things that we were incorporating due to the pandemic. And one of the examples that the linguist that I spoke with from from UT mentioned was the word quarantine, which used to mean you know if you're thinking black plague and whatnot, it would mean that you were on lockdown and you were sick and you had to be banished from the rest of the community mm-hmm. whereas in even in medical circles where you would expect that they would very clearly know what quarantine means, it was starting to really just mean self-isolation. it was it was adopting a new meaning even just last year I mean- and you want, you want, you want to see some evolution. There's, um, you know, what we've gone through the last two years in our language evolution and words we've adopted and terms we've adopted, um, and things that we've just invented because we've needed Mm -hmm. to have a language to communicate, um... The disease The pandemic Our experiences of it It's just astronomical In the linguistic world What's been going on With that
0: One You probably like this too If you if you were to call me A word nerd mm. um, I like when I look up a word And I watch the graph Of its popularity Are you familiar yes. with that? Yes And you can see like This word And, and quarantine is a great example Because mm-hmm. I bet if you looked back In that graph Like quarantine The graph for it was way up here In the 1500s yes. And then it sunk For three centuries And now yeah. it's back up mm. Um My other pet peeve, and then we'll move on. We'll move on. (laughs) Um, I don't like when words are created or invented when we've already had words to explain that. Mm -hmm. The current one, I'm done with. And they usually always all, they come from science, and then they get applied in the business world, and they become... Hyper buzzwords in the business world. The one that I am, I just can't take anymore. I'm gonna throw my phone is when I see and hear people use the word scale.
1: Can we uh. scale that?
0: Can you grow it? Yes, you can absolutely <laughs> grow that. But people who want to add 20 points to their IQ talk about scale and growing and sizing and blah blah. But again, came from science. Use, yes. Overused by business now. Something. I hate when we have words that we already have something for, but we make up new ones to flash off our, pardon, flash our language dicks. <laughs> and I'm done.
1: Are, are you aware of the, the banned words list at Lake Superior State <laughs> no. University? Oh, you have been missing out. <laughs>
0: Is that the they, sc- is that the school every year that announces like new words in the dictionary
1: or something? No, what they do every January 1st is they they offer a list and you're allowed to make nominations. You go on the Lake Superior State website and they have a little place where you can nominate banned words, words that you are sick of hearing, oh, words dear. that are misused, were, you know, <laughs>
0: They're going to block me because I... I, like,
1: I, For a while there, I was nominating so many words that I had the little icon on my phone yeah. so I could find it easily. <laughs> give me a word. They actually, they actually mentioned me, though, a couple of years ago.
0: That's it. now a goal of mine. <laughs> give, before we get to Michigan stuff, give me a word. Like, I've given you scale, and I see... Give me a word or phrase that gets you irate. Oh, God, I
1: was so bad on the spur of the moment. Um, flavor profile. Just say flavors. <laughs>
0: I get it. You're like there. I'm a word snob, and like I like to use unique and different words. You're a word snob because again, you want to show off this thing you stole from somewhere that that is just like a, an invented phrase. It's just
1: it's so pretentious,
0: and it's so That's the unnecessary. necessary. That's Thank why, you.
1: like you say, there's already a good word. Here are the flavors. <laughs> we don't need to talk about a flavor profile.
0: Um, okay, so you uh, you're not. I've disliked, when it came to Michigan or Ohio State fans, Mm -hmm. and I would always say, I would find Michigan fans more intolerable.
1: Really? Yeah. Why is that?
0: Um, And I just had this discussion with a friend of mine today, and it's softened over the last couple of years because the Harbaugh thing wasn't working out as Mm -hmm. people had hoped. And again, life is so much about expectations. Expectations and hope can... Be like Yes Yes Like <laughs> it, You just stab a knife In your heart y- Yes Like Hope uh, A friend of mine Just asked me sh- The other day She's like Have you ever read read Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning I'm like Absolutely I have You've read that book right
1: I have not actually you need, No it's a I know It's quick, on my list of, of I need to hang my head In shame Yes
0: books. Bad Jew <laughs> Yes And you only need to read The first half uh, but basically it's all about him being in concentration camps and how hope got these, the people that had hope lived and survived. The ones that didn't, died. Um, that's a good kind of hope. Yes. Hoping Michigan doesn't have a letdown against Iowa on Saturday night, uh, thats that, that could kill you. But for a long time. I it think, could,
1: except at the same time, I'll be so grateful for if, last Saturday and so grateful for this season as opposed to last year's. Two and four. Um, but, and, but you know what I'm. I will be disappointed if they don't do it. But I, I, I'm still on the positive hope right you, now.
0: You like I Harbaugh needs, and these are these are kids. Kids can't manage their emotions. These most of these these kids playing college football are six years beyond eating, still eating glue.
1: Well, you know that's the thing. And it, I, as as much as I'm in front of the TV watching and rooting and all of this every every week. I do I do always say all the time, these are kids. Mm-hmm. like like the the athletic department's budget is riding on the shoulders of a nineteen year old kid. you know, hopes and dreams and and vilification and blame and and all of these things are riding. you know it's one thing for him. you know he was the quarterback during some of my years there. so you know he's my age. it's one thing for you know somebody who's pushing sixty to be to be having you know the weight of the world and he's being paid well for it. It's another thing for these kids, you know. The oldest ones are what the the, the fifth year seniors at twenty two, maybe twenty three, because they got a bye last year.
0: And that's and like on. a that's like a fifth year player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But um, for a long time, and again, it's it softened over the last couple of years. And you have a great perspective about them going into this weekend, because most people will be completely disappointed and angry and fire Harbaugh, and all, that's just fans in general. But I think when they finally got Harbaugh after. Brady Hoke was right before him, right? Um, I think they they had touched heaven. And while he's done great things, he's a really good coach, Mm -hmm. I think he was never going to get what people wanted out of him and the Michigan football team, which was... It needed to be win-lose, win-lose every year, if not win all the time, against Ohio State. Yeah. And Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson had simply ascended into another stratosphere they, you of college them football.
1: and they're, like, playing a different game. They really they like, really are. Those school- Except Alabama. Alabama was vulnerable this weekend.
0: Against Auburn? Yes. Right. But...
1: I mean, you would not have expected. I mean, granted, they're the, the arch rivals, and you bring it even in your bad season. You bring it for your arch rival, but... Four overtimes? Come on, I would expect it a little better from Bama.
0: Clemson's had a down year. A really down year for for their standards. They're
1: rebuilding because they lost their quarterback. Uh,
0: They... They've lost so much because they just keep sending it's a conveyor belt to the NFL. And that's what they, Alabama and Ohio State, have built. They have separated themselves from everybody else in college football. For them, it's national title or bust. And if they don't win 11 games, it's end of the world. And it's like, you lost your quarterback. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, like who's right behind them? Um, I don't know off the top of my head because I don't follow it as much as I used to. Well, it's Georgia... Georgia, Michigan, in there.
1: Alabama, Cincinnati, right now, as they're looking at the national championship. Well,
0: no, I mean like on t- over the last decade or twenty years of college football. Oh, okay, overall, the tiers. Yeah, like it's Ohio State, it's Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Right behind right. them is probably Georgia, and then some. My point is, Michigan mm-hmm. fell in like the to the eight to fifteen area. I where, would say
1: fever- several years ago, the whole Big Ten yeah. was was a joke. So for this year, for half the top ten to have been Big Ten teams, that mm-hmm. was pretty impressive. That was some serious turnaround for
0: all of them. Michigan fans when they got Harbaugh expected Alabama, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and that was just never going to happen.
1: Oh, they got they got Harbaugh. I mean, you know, they called him the Messiah, and everybody's mm. like, oh my God, we're going to be undefeated, and we're going to beat Ohio State, and we're going to win national championships, and it's going to be the glory
0: days of all. And then, you won like, ten, and then you won 10 games, which is an incredible <laughs> college football season for everybody but those three teams. And people are like, throw them out into the street. Let them die on 94.
1: Well, you know, there were other issues that I at least did not know about at the time. And I don't know how many other people knew about the time. But I think it was John Cooper got fired from Ohio State, despite like 9-0 and seasons because he couldn't beat.
0: Was that before Trestle? Probably. I think so.
1: Possibly. I lose track. Um, but, I grew up on Bowen Woody. And so I know all the coaches, but I lose track of who, what order they they went in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I like I say, there were other things going on with John Cooper, but but one of the the big public reasons that he lost his job was because he couldn't beat Michigan. So it didn't matter what anybody was going to do. I mean, Harbaugh could have had the season he had this year going into that game ten and one. If he had not won on Saturday, they would have still been calling for his head.
0: And they'd still keep him employed because cooler heads prevail at Michigan. And then half the fans then actually start to listen to, well, who else are we going to get? So, and that's the thing like Michigan just fell into geographically, also because of Ohio State just being able to recruit nationally. But just a a population shift moved better athletes into the South and to the West and to always Texas, where Michigan could recruit nationally in the past because of the bow years, and they couldn't do that anymore. And- the expectation always should have been like nine, ten. If we get to eleven wins, that's incredible. And I think they finally started to realize that over the last two years. It was a lot quieter by Michigan fans. To sum up the other side of my thing, mm-hmm. I can deal with Ohio stands being arrogant assholes. You know why? Because <gasps> they've won like crazy over the last decade. It's a little shady because of Urban Meyer. Ryan Day seems yeah. less seedy. Um, but they Ryan.
1: I mean, on the one hand, Ryan Day was in kind of a tough position, I think, because there were these expectations, and he was given this gift of this team and this program. It's on him to keep okay. it going. And he For most... the most part, they've done okay. But you know what? They lost early in the season. They lost the big one to Michigan. Mm-hmm. But in previous and, years under him, he's been okay. Well, yeah, I mean, this was his first Big Ten defeat in his three years as head coach. That's a pretty good start. That's a pretty good record. Yeah. At the same time, you can see little, little chinks in the, in the armor here. And that was his to lose.
0: That's kind of like why Toledo has been up and down for the way Matt Campbell left them. Mm -hmm. Because Jason Candle, and I'm taking this from the sports guys that I know, um, Jason Jason Candle's really good seasons were with Matt Campbell's leftover players. Mm -hmm. And it's been real up and down, pretty mediocre since then. Because when when Jason Candle started winning, I was like, oh, he's, I had a neighbor that was, um, when I lived downtown, who was uh, like one of his recruiting coordinators. And I was like, he ain't going to be here long, because Toledo is a step-up job, and Jason Candle's doing really well. Mm-hmm. But then the Matt Campbell players left, and now they're just kind of like a seven-win team, and that ain't great. Yeah, but they almost beat Notre Dame. That
1: was beautiful.
0: And that might have been the worst thing that happened to them all year. Really? Because people like me were like, that was an incredible performance. They had a real chance to win that game. And they didn't. The kids believed all the shit they heard, and it was a very mediocre
1: season. Mm -hmm. Although Jason Candle gave me a great recipe for pulled pork for tailgating. I did see that.
0: (laughs) And what did Scott Leffler offer you?
1: Um, he said, he said he's only been tailgating once. So he has his dream mm-hmm. menu. And so for dessert, chewy brownies, no nuts and frosting, thick layer of frosting. Amazing. Good. They were amazing. Amazing meal.
0: So I, 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 again, as much so as regard,
1: I, so I can't say that I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm any kind of expert other than just that I watch Michigan football no, you know every your stuff. Saturday. Um, and and I know that that Bowling Green beat Minnesota, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I know that UT almost beat Notre Dame, and you know. But but I I can't really speak intelligently about their programs other than that. But they <laughs> but, both gave me stellar recipes. Good,
0: <laughs> and for I mean.
1: So for, so for me, they always have a special place in my heart. And when I talked to Scott Loeffler, you know, he he's he was from Michigan, so we were we were commiserating about Appalachian State that we always say in hushed tones, uh, and and a lot of those experiences, like we had shared experiences, so it was fun.
0: That. That loss arguably ignited everything that I've just talked about. Mm-hmm. In fact, so I was in, in Allentown back in Pennsylvania at the time. And I remember, so we're talking 07, 08. And, and that was right after the Appalachian State lost. <laughs> and things started to wobble. And I don't know who, was that Rich Rodriguez?
1: Yes, I think so.
0: Okay, if it was yeah, we,
1: we, we try not to talk about the Rich Rod years. I know. <laughs> And they were they were such an anomaly and just not not the Michigan way.
0: I have I have what I think is an inflection point for so much of this discussion, and I think yes. you, you might remember the player. So, at that time, um, I was starting to get into Pennsylvania high school football, not mm-hmm. on my side of the state, but outside of Pittsburgh. He played at Jeanette, and I actually went and watched him because I was covering a local team at in Hershey uh, for high school football, and this kid played before. And as a co worker, a guy I really looked up to said, Guys, I saw an NFL player playing against high school kids. Terrell Pryor. Oh, uh, th- yes. I always say, and I, I think Rich Rodriguez took the Michigan job thinking he'd get the quarterback, and that quarterback would be Terrell Pryor. Yeah. And when he went not to not, not just Michigan, but to Ohio State, mm-hmm. like you just throw the cards up in the air. Yeah. So, but um, I hope Michigan wins on. Saturday. Thank you. Because um, I'm kind of not expecting it. Like I was a really good football team, mm-hmm. and again, you're talking about kids. These kids just won the biggest game for their fan base in a decade. And by the you way, you don't told-
1: know. You don't know how much it meant. I was in tears. Yeah, I, my I was sending video to my son of like the last minute so he could experience it too.
0: And it's only been like two wins in 20 years, I think. But
1: yeah, it's been a, it's been a bad millennium. We've got a total of three three wins this millennium. But it, like I say, I was raised in the bow and woody years. I was raised, you know, with with Lloyd Carr and Gary Moeller and all these guys, and it maybe it was not your year, but it was a game. There was always something on the line. There was always something of value. There was there was always that that chance. Because like I said earlier, you know, even in a bad year, you, you bring it for this game. This game means everything. And when it's just a, oh, please, God, don't let us be humiliated. and <laughs> it, it, It's really depressing. It's been 10, 10 years, little by little, of, oh, I got hope, hope we win this year. Oh, I hope, hope we win this year. I hope we don't lose too badly and this year.
0: Th- there you go. And then
1: you watch them beat the crap out of Michigan State, who beat the crap out of us, and you're like, oh, God, how bad is this going to be? And then you see that they get they score first. And then you see they're by one point at the half, and you know from the past 10 years— don't don't let it sit in your heart don't hold on to that hope please because you know something's coming and to see it happening and to see another point and another t- and and it's like oh my god oh my god i've i've lived to see it oh my god they're they're
0: And they did just, it. That
1: you just don't know.
0: <laughs> that dissipation you talked about with the expectations is why i want Michigan to win mm-hmm. because everybody got their expectations in check. And it's funny, since I've been here, I've watched that happen. And I remember at least for most of the games that I've followed, mm-hmm. um, when it really when Michigan was really like it was like a bit like when they were doing barely eight win teams. Um, those were seemingly the most competitive games they had against Ohio State, because maybe they had just gotten up for them so much. But I've been saying going into this weekend, I thought this was the best. Michigan was playing while they were a really talented team going into this game. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody was scared as hell after what happened, like you just oh, talked God. about, how Ohio State ran Michigan State out of the state.
1: I had written a column, and my, my deadlines are really early, because they, they, they start putting my page together the Sunday before the Sunday it's published. So it's got to be mm-hmm. in the Friday before that Sunday. So we're talking, you know, eight, nine days early. So we had not yet played Penn State. Um, Ohio State had not yet played Purdue, the the you know this year's spoiler Giant makers, killer. Um, and and Ohio State and Penn State had or Ohio State and Michigan State had not yet met. So I I went in with this column like for the first time you had no in a patience. long time. You were blind. I'm thinking we may do this, and then they played that game, and I thought, oh my god, <laughs> what what's going to happen? So when you expect the worst. Too. It was just so glorious to see it. I I hope they 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 beat Iowa. I mean, I would love to have them take that championship. And it's nice that it's Iowa because I mean, on the one hand, we've already played Wisconsin, so we kind of knew them. Mm -hmm. But because the Big Ten is no longer the Big Ten, it's the Big I don't know. It feels like thirty six, and there's too many schools and schools that don't belong in there. we didn't get to play iowa so there's something to be said for that if you can if you can beat iowa then that's one more team in your conference that you've beaten to say yes we really did earn this we really did mm-hmm. deserve this championship now if you put us in the top 4 and we're looking at teams like georgia as as much as you know i would love to have the dream that says yes they're going to go on and they're going to show georgia what for you know i'm a realist it would just be fun if they could move on.
0: Some of those but... teams lay eggs. <laughs> there, every every other year, there seems to be an egg laid by a playoff team. In fact, I think Ohio State laid it against Clemson a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a perverse I have a, a, a perverse theory for Michigan moving forward, but I'll back up mm-hmm. um, with the championship game. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State needs Michigan to win. So, they can yeah. get a New Year's Day bowl game. Right. Um, which has been weird. And I know Michigan Michigan was rooting for Ohio State to beat Michigan State. So, it's been some yeah, weird like, bedfellows for like we, the last two like weeks. Like, we needed
1: Ohio State to beat Michigan State.
0: But so,
1: now they need, you know, somebody needs us to beat somebody else. Ohio State. Our, uh,
0: Michigan needed Ohio State to beat Michigan State. Right. So they can beat Ohio State and win the division. (laughs) But here's my perverse calamity for Michigan fans. Yes. If they win, and if everybody who is favored wins, Mm -hmm. uh, so you're going to have Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. Now, it's not going to happen. I guess it could. Anything is possible. Um, but I guess everybody would stay as is if everybody wins.
1: I would imagine so unless there's like a hugely decisive win that yeah. might cause somebody to to nudge up a little bit. Um, but I would imagine that if all four win, where they are ranked right now would stay the same.
0: Because I would and I would guess as they like to say, if the networks had their way, you won yeah. Alabama and Georgia in the final, although are they in no, they're not in the SEC title game, I don't think together. Or maybe they are. This is where I lost all my sports stuff. My point that is, I can't tell
1: you, but uh, it, it sounds like they should be.
0: It would be some kind of fu from <laughs> this state if somehow Michigan winds up playing Cincinnati, yes, and Luke Fickle in the semifinal game, mm-hmm. and they lose. Sorry, <laughs> throwing daggers. So you lose to an Ohio team, and you lose <laughs> to a guy who actually did a pretty darn good job in the interim at Ohio State.
1: True. True. I'm I'm not going there right okay. now. I'm hoping that we win on Saturday, and then we'll see what happens.
0: Okay, and I think Alabama. And I think
1: that ten-year horror story, you know, until this past Saturday, kind of kind of gives you some
0: perspective. I don't like hear, you it hope, but you don't, count. I don't. I don't hear. it. I'm a Philadelphia fan. Like I, I, I've <laughs> dealt with this. Like I went through four straight NFC Championship losses for the Eagles, and all kinds of discipline because they have always, like, their, Philadelphia has a problem uh, and a self-esteem problem with New York. And they should, because it hasn't won as much as New York. And yeah. now, Boston. And to your point why I know that pain, um, I grew up um, in the 90s when da- the Cowboys were really good, and the Eagles yeah. were sputtering. Um, there was a thing, an Eagles coach an Eagles coach, would always keep their job as long as they won at least two games every year against Gosh. Dallas. It was a successful like season. Alliance I'm like, coach. that's ridiculous. <laughs> that sounds asinine. But that's how much that game meant. So I yeah. understood that kind of emotion.
1: Yes, definitely, it's transferable. You, it may not be your team, but you understand the pain.
0: Mm-hmm. All yep. right, I think that's enough. We've gone seventy minutes. Oh wow! Did you have any? Did we cover anything on your list?
1: Um, I was gonna wish you happy Hanukkah, and we talked Thank about you. latkes, and I found out you say latke instead of Latki. Yes. Um, we talked weather. Weather and I think, I think given just the, the the just overwhelming sadness of what happened in Oxford, Michigan yesterday, I didn't know if we were going to touch on that. Mm-mm. But I'm I'm hoping that that this was a nice diversion from from that. You know, I I have been to Oxford, not that I have huge ties to it, but I lived in Michigan for 35 years. So as soon as you hear that that this happened in Michigan, you know it it hurts
0: actually I think that's that's where I got my first dog from really? it's I I just remember going to the area where the palace was and then going 25 minutes north and yes. I felt like I drove so long I should have been in Flint but I wasn't and I think it was Oxford yeah
1: that sounds about right that's that's it but you know last year during the the pandemic I said um to one of our senior editors um, I felt like it was a little frivolous to be, you know, writing about food and you know cupcakes or whatever while this this horror was going on all around us. And um, and he said, you know, first of all, people are hunkered down at home. They need to know how to cook and how to feed themselves and what to do make with so their many pantry. Sourdoughs. Yeah. Is that what exactly. They did? Yeah. Um, but he said too, you know, and like you know, when you you're on social media and they talk about the the cleanse, you know, here's the picture of the cute kitten, just to cleanse your timeline, you know that that's essentially what I was I was yeah. giving people. So I'm hoping that that's that's what we gave people today as we talk about football and latkes and and the Passover rules. You got to get the recipe for the Passover rules.
0: That's what I was telling uh uh Paul Cosman. You know Paul, right? Oh,
1: I love Paul. Paul was here yesterday. I love Paul.
0: And. His people asked me if he I'll could visit. i have to look visit. that one up. I missed that. Yeah, because he wanted to come talk about Scrooge. Of course. And I was telling him, I was like, it sucks to not have the morning show anymore or what I wanted to build with that. But it's nice that I can sleep in. Um, I can yeah. get what I... Actually, there's probably more people listening in the afternoon than in morning radio these days anyway, because I would say, everybody's awake then. And it's nice that we can do this on the podcast. Some yeah. days we talk about the, the super serious, grim stuff. God knows, there's been a lot of it here in Toledo yes. with all the murders. But then we can do this too, and I like that I have the latitude to bounce back and forth. And some people enjoy it.
1: Good. Good.
0: Hello. Um, one last thing, I yes. did have on my list. Your carrot cake looked delicious.
1: I got I got to pat myself on the back because that was that was just such. I almost such asked a you to saga. bring some. Oh, like like there was any left. The well, last piece that. went yesterday. I was supposed to be mine, and I didn't get it. I'm like, I made this uh, cake. Why didn't I get
0: it? I can make it again.
1: I, I have all the scraps from, because I, I don't know if you read the whole long saga. So, I've been doing this bake-along with Bake Off for the British Bake Off, and so each episode I have chosen a challenge to take on. Now, I had hand surgery in July, and I do not have the most professional skills, so like there haven't been any grand and glorious morning. No cooking, no writing
0: background. They're, that's you, it. You, that's you're it. You're the that's food me. empress at the paper. <laughs> mm,
1: look at that. So... So, um, so I've tried to pick a challenge, and and in some cases not just go for the easy thing, but challenge myself to try something new, and um and I've made carrot cake before, but I'm not a really good cake decorator or any of that. So I was trying to do pretty swirls and whatnot. So I make this carrot cake for the first time ever, ever, because I grease the pan, I put parchment paper on the bottom of the pan, I grease that like it should be like falling it like your grandma's you know grilled cheese sandwich. Like skating, it should be like ice skating, yeah. And the rims stick. And I'm just looking at this like, crap, what am I going to do with this? But I'm, I I never give up, never surrender. I love Galaxy Quest. And so I had a six-inch springform pan. So I used that and I cut all around. So I got all these scraps. So if I make some more of the brandied cream cheese frosting, I'm just going to make like a trifle with that and then I'll bring you some. Right I, now it's in the freezer waiting for inspiration.
0: I see <laughs> most of your stuff. And I got to say, that was the best-looking thing I've ever <laughs> I've ever seen you make to post. It looked delicious. And I don't have a sweet tooth. Um, I don't go out of my way to get those things.
1: And you try to eat things like almonds and peanut butter instead of carrot cake. Uh, You're a conscientious eater.
0: I offset it with the carbs. I have have carb cravings, not a sweet tooth. But I do like it. Like your carrot cake looked delicious. Like I had the hunger pangs. And I like banana bread. I don't like bananas, I like banana bread. Okay. Uh, so I guess vegetable and fruit cakes, not so fruit cakes. Bananas, I like. But do you
1: like them with a little bit of green? Do you like them with a couple brown spots? Do you like I don't them like soft? bananas at all. So you won't eat them at all. I, I make only a, if it's in banana bread
0: or a protein shake. Okay. I, and people are like, "Is it the texture?" I'm like, "No, it's the taste. It's nasty."
1: Because the the as they go through the different stages, they have different tastes. So Correct. that's why I was thinking I like that maybe there was
0: none of them, and I've tried because. It would be a great filling snack to, yes. rather than bringing an apple every day. And for the most part, um, bananas are predictable, how they'll look when you open them, rather mm-hmm. than the apples that I sometimes slice and I'm like, toss it. But uh, I
1: had one of those over the weekend, yep.
0: It's so disappointing. It's like when I hear somebody say, I seen. <laughs> All right, we're done. Great to All see right. you. Thanks for coming in. It's
1: always good to see you. Did you want to see if we can figure out the...